Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Today was a really special Sunday at City Hill. What we did was we were filling out in the worship time. We weren't singing songs. We were filling out cards. Thank you cards to teachers. We want to give these cards to all the teachers at Lambeth Academy. This is something that's really exciting. What we want to do with that is we want to give them like a big basket full of goodies like chocolate and and fruit and stuff. So if you'd like to be a part of that, we would love for you to go to cityhill.london, click give, the top give button on the giving page, loads an option for you to fill out your details there and you choose the fund it goes to. It says general by default. If you click on general, scroll down and click back to school, you can give to the back to school offering as well as giving those goodies to encourage teachers with the thank you cards we're writing. We're also going to be giving hopefully a hundred packs to disadvantaged Uh, children that attend Lambeth Academy we want to give them like new pens new pencils and pads and stuff because often some of the kids will come back and they'll have all this new gear but a lot of the kids that say 40% in inner London we're aiming to give to 20% because that's our estimate after speaking to the school of how many kids are disadvantaged in year seven to nine at the school we want to give them these packs because we believe that it's important to say something loving to do something loving and I think when you listen to today's message you'll understand why it's so important so we'd love it if you could join us in this endeavor because hey there's nothing better than hearing but hearing is believing and believing is a verb so we do it so hey if you want to join us on this please please be our guests join us in this wonderful act of giving and in future podcasts you'll hear how it went so if you check out um, the xx say something loving on spotify or listen for our playlist it's absolutely amazing i'm going to read some of the lyrics not the whole lyrics because it would take quite a while say something loving I just don't remember the thrill of affection. I just don't remember. Say something loving. I need a reminder. The feelings escaped me. And then it switches to, you say something loving. It's so overwhelming. The thrill of affection feels so unfamiliar. You say something loving without hesitation. It hits me, hits me. It feels so unfamiliar. And then it ends with like this last part, though there's lots of other lyrics in between, before it slips away. All my hesitations are fading, fading. I feel it taking over. So before it slips away, all my hesitations are fading. Don't let it slip away. So Proverbs 18.21 says this, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And I started to think about words, and so often in churches people have always said, like, words have power, words have meaning. And that's not something that I've always kind of majored on. I've always been like, what are you talking about? That person is a douche. I've said they're a douche. What's the big deal? Um, and then until recently, which was like just this week, which actually you'll be able to listen to today, Governor B is starting a new podcast through his um, charity, Allo Mate, and I'm going to be one of the co-hosts of him each week. And this week we chatted about some stuff that Jay Huss had to say in one of his songs, and um, I got taught by Governor a whole new level about words. Uh, I didn't realize what Bunsum uh, was. I did not realize that was like Ghanaian kind of witchcraft. I've been hearing that song all the time. And he was just like, bruv, you can't say that word. If you said that word in my mum's house, she would freak out. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. People sometimes love speaking words of death. Other people love speaking words of life. Whichever one you choose to be, you're going to eat the fruit of whichever one you choose to be. And in the media at the moment, there's a lot of conversations that are going on, that are taking place, that are both of those things. You've got one side who is speaking life, you've got another side 
who are speaking death. And at the moment, we can see those words have actually become death because all this talk, all this hate builds up until someone takes it on and plows a car into a load of people to kill people. Because actually, if you're going to dig into these words, if you're going to fulfill hate and allow hateful speech to come out all the time, it's going to end up reaping the fruit of death. And actually, we want to be people that reap the fruit of life. And in the scriptures, there's an overwhelming pattern that suggests that love wins. But love wins through you and I professing and speaking things of love. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That hit me. I've never really thought about that before. I've never really focused on that judgment. You always think about actions, but Jesus is saying, actually, it's the careless words people speak. They'll have to give account for the careless things. Man, I say a lot of careless things, and that made me think, oh, wow, I need to reel it in. I need to check what I'm saying. I need to check myself before I wreck myself. My advice on that, after reading that scripture, my advice to myself, and hopefully some of us and those who are listening online around the world, my advice, if you care less, don't speak take no doubt to heart because when you don't care about stuff it's important to shut up don't throw out flippant silly opinion on something you care not about crushing someone who cares very much about topic of conversation i personally feel this is how many white people such as myself get in crazy conversations about race it isn't that there is a lack of caring for the topic but the value in the topic unless one has experienced a strong entrenched form of consistent prejudice over a long period of time It destroys the conversation because it devalues it. Someone is talking in the conversation, carrying a heavy burden while the other has not. It goes horribly wrong, not because of a lack of love, but because of a lack of empathy due to never having carried those experiences. Say something loving. Because I think for a lot of people, they're forgetting the affection. I feel for a lot of people, it's like there's there's this vacuum of what it feels like to receive that love. I feel like one of the key things that God is calling us to do as a church, but also as individuals and Christ followers around the world, is literally just the simple thing of saying something loving. Um, I look at people like white supremacists on TV, and I tell you what, it's really hard to say something loving to people like that. But it's so important that we do. And when we encounter people who are different to us, that hold a view that we see destructive and hurtful, It is so unbelievably key that we say something loving. I saw on the BBC One show the other day, because we watched the news and then that just comes on afterwards and Eden's playing about and stuff. And I saw these two guys who I never thought in a million years would be two best friends. You had a white racist who'd been involved at the higher levels of the BNP and you had someone who had been on a training camp, terrorist training camp, an older guy um, and two completely different worldviews but they became best friends because they sat and they started to talk together. And some of the things, the different views that they held shocked one another, but over time they, they ended up bringing healing to each other's lives. The crazy thing is they're part of now the Prevent um, Initiative by the government, which in my opinion has a lot of flaws in it, but this was one of the best things I've ever seen about it. They were going to schools, going to different places, and they were speaking, they were sharing their story, and it was so powerful. And it hit me that actually, when you start to say something loving, it can heal the biggest divides, it can heal the biggest chasms within society. And actually, that happens in the Bible. When we look at Acts chapter 17, verse 26, what we see is we see Paul having a conversation by, um, with these Greeks, 
and it's quite key because he takes on this statue which is known as the unknown god and he starts to proclaim guys I know who the unknown god is and then he starts to bring this truth to them but one of the key truths he brings to them is this he, he points back that actually all came from one man he says that statement to them now for you and I glancing over that we come from a Christian tradition and so we just embrace this as an idea and go okay all come from one man what's the big deal why does that really matter well, what matters is the context that Paul is standing in when he's preaching is he's speaking to the Greeks. And as far as the Greeks were concerned, and as far as Paul had been concerned, but he's received this revelation in a new way, even though his people have carried this scripture for a long time, they built up this division where it's the circumcised, it's their people and everyone else. And then Paul is saying here, well, actually, we've all come from one man, all from Adam. And so Paul has started to see, which is why his mission is to the Gentiles, because he's starting to see Gentiles as in non-Jews, people who haven't had the snip snip. He's saying that actually we're all from one, one man. We all come from God. We're all his children. We need to all be in this together. When he's now saying this to the Greeks and he drops that line, it's a huge thing because for them, there's the Greek people and everyone else is barbarians. And what tends to happen within society is we tend to have groups that are in the in-group. We have those who are on the fringe of the group and on the borderline. And we have those who are on the outside of the conversation. And actually, so often, we have this one view. But actually, if we are going to take a Christian worldview, we have to always take the worldview that actually all are made in God's image. We have to take the view that all come from one man and that changes everything and it starts to mean that you position your life to say something loving to the opposing fraction so when Paul is speaking to this crowd they're a hostile crowd that would see him as a barbarian yet he starts to quote his own traditions and bring the wisdom of them whilst merging it with their traditions and the philosophers within the Greek culture and he starts to make them aware of the wider picture. And you see what happens when you and I say something loving is we start to bridge the gaps and the divides within our culture and within society. And I think at the moment we are in a time where the issues of tribe and of race and of fraction are coming to the, to the forefront once again, just like they did before the, the Second World War. And I feel there's this huge rise in this conversation and what happens is people start to get tired. And as I said on our social media, tiredness kills. And as Christians, we 110% cannot afford to be tired. We cannot afford to be tired. We have to be hot on this issue and we have to be speaking love into all these things. So he quotes his story, he quotes their story, and he points at an idol that he would have detested, something he wouldn't have felt comfortable with. But I believe God is calling me, God is calling you, God is calling all of us to step across into that. Because the infinite value in calling people home, in spreading a message that unites the universe to a bigger plan, is, 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 what is of the ultimate value. And it's all made possible through saying something loving. Um, say something loving. I don't remember the thrill of affection. We need to remind people of the thrill of affection, of God's love, of his affection, but through our own expression, not some detached thing. Even yesterday, I was walking down the high street where I live, and there was like three, four different churches on the high street. And it's just, it kills me now. I die inside. And this guy just randomly shouted out to someone, went, Paul, I said something nice, and then he said, Jesus loves you. And I just thought to myself, like, we've got to have something better than that. We really have. Like, Jesus loves you. There's nothing to back it up with any action of love other than a detached statement. Whereas actually, I feel you and I are positioned to do something wonderful, something powerful. We need to remind racists. 
We need to remind nationalists. We need to remind everyone in society and anyone who will listen. We need to say something loving. The only thing that's better than saying something loving is doing something loving. So saying something loving without doing something loving would be meaningless. So we've written these thank you cards that we're going to give to teachers because teachers are knackered and they're going back to a new term even after a long summer break. And some of them will be afraid. Some of them will be thinking, oh boy, those kids were roasting me last year. I don't want to go back into that torture. Again, I'm done with this. We want to encourage them. Not only do we want to encourage them with a statement, but we want to give them a nice like, box of chocolates, fruit, stuff like that, chuck it in a big basket and make a fuss of them. So it's not just saying something loving, it's doing something loving. Jesus told a story to a man who asked him about what does it mean to inherit eternal life? What does it mean to to have real life, to be alive in the universe, to be alive in society? And what Jesus said to him was, he said, well, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, to love God with all that you are and to love one another. You fulfill all of these things. The conversation shifts later where he says, um, well, who is my neighbor? So you want me to love my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? He's trying to say, who don't I have to love? So Jesus tells a story and he tells a story of a Samaritan and he tells a story of really religious, powerful, wonderful people that this man would have loved and rated, hashtag ratings. And he says that they will pice someone who's been beaten, been robbed and left for dead and they leave him because it inconveniences their time. But he says, then a Samaritan comes along. This is a guy who would be like of mixed heritage uh, between their people and another. And he's there and he's passing by and he sees him and he, he takes the guy, he looks after him, puts him on his own donkey, he takes him to a hotel, pays for the hotel fees, there's any other expenses, I will pay them when I come back, does all this. Jesus says to this, this young guy, so who, you know, who, who showed love? Who, who loved and who, who was the neighbor to that man? And what the, what the young guy says, the young up and coming dude says, is he says, the one who showed mercy, the one who showed him love, the one who showed him this. And you see, you and I, we glance over that. And we glance over that because we're so far removed from this passage by thousands and thousands of years that you and I fail to see the ultimate point in this story. He says, the one who showed him love. He can't even say his name. He can't say Samaritan. He just can't bring himself to do it. The dislike, the divide is so big. If we were looking at it today and Jesus was talking to a white supremacist and he'd been talking about a black man that stopped and helped the white supremacist, put him on the donkey and led him there, the guy would be standing in front of Jesus and say, so who loved him? Who showed him mercy? And he'd be going, the blah, 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 blah. He'd be doing a roll burgundy thing. He wouldn't be able to get black out of his mouth because he'd be like, the, the blah, blah the one who showed him love. And so when we look at this story, what we see is we don't just see a story about this awkward kind of misfit. We see a time where racial tensions were high. We see a time where you wouldn't mix with Samaritans, where you wouldn't touch them. Jesus spends time with Samaritans. He loves them. He teaches them. He talks to them in amazing, powerful ways, leading them to the same unity of his kingdom that he brings to all people. But actually this story speaks to you and I because actually... There are types of people that we just feel like we just can't say. There are people in our lives that we just feel like we can't name. There are people in our lives that have hurt us, that we have such hostility towards because of how wrong we think their opinion is. But actually, we need to be just like the young Samaritan, or if we're doing the young version, and we were doing it in America right now, the young black man who puts him on his own animal, looks after him and takes care of all his needs. We need to be like that guy. We need to be like that in our speech. We need to be like that in our action. I'm going to pray for us today and then that will be it. Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness towards us. I thank you for your goodness, your love. I pray that we would say something loving. I pray we would do something loving because all of us, 
All of us, Lord, have received love from you. You've spoken words of love into our lives and you've done actions of love into our lives. We pray over all of these cards that we've done today and the cards we will do next week as well, that we pray these, these cards will really encourage teachers and they'll feel loved by a random group of people that for no reason whatsoever should be writing to them. But we love them and we want them to feel encouraged and empowered for the year ahead. Father, we also pray that you will help resource the church, that we can do this thing where we give 100 to 200 young people um, the resources they need to start their schooling a little pack of things because we realize that so many people are disadvantaged and we don't want to be people that just say something loving we want to be people that do something loving we pray this week as well with the opportunities that come our way and come in front of us father help us to say something loving and help us to do something loving and may you empower us by the power of your spirit in jesus name amen really hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about City Hill please visit our website cityhill.london